Welcome to my podcast, Follow Your Bliss, with me, Nicola Fisher. I'll be talking to people who inspire me and asking them about the journeys they've taken navigating change and how this has led them to find fulfilment and purpose. If you're on a quest to create a meaningful life for yourself, I hope these conversations inspire you too. This week's guest on the podcast is Chris Fisher. He is the UK's only completely blind professional wood turner, and he was the first blind turner to be accepted onto the register of professional turners. Chris is also my husband. We talk about how Chris navigated sight loss and the evolution that led him to become a professional wood turner. Chris explains why he doesn't want his eyesight back and how being blind is who he was meant to be. We also talk about Bamba, who is Chris's guide dog. And if you listen very carefully, you can hear Bamba snoring. Some of the people who listen to the podcast might be going through or have gone through difficult times. Mm -hmm. You lost your sight 11 years ago and you went through a difficult four or five years. What did you learn from that and how have you come out of it now? Well, what I've learned from that is it's bloody tough, but you're going to get through it anyway if you dig deep and really work hard. And if you sort of like uh, never be afraid to ask for help. You know, you've got family, friends, professionals around you that can help. So, uh, yeah, never, never, never be afraid to ask for help. You don't have to do it on your own. But, uh, I mean, flipping heck, I was, you know, this, you know, uh, cheeky, chirpy young lad from, you know, Manchester. And it's like, that's who I am now. In fact, you know, I, I find time to be silly every day. And when I go full tilt, I'm absolutely bonkers, you know, uh, but in a nice way, I like to think. But we're always cracking jokes, aren't we, things yeah, like that. Yeah. And we're very, very practical and pragmatic and we're not very PC. So my advice with, uh, to people that might be listening to this that are going through, you know, some really, really dark times, never, ever give up. I mean, one of my, my main sort of like catchphrase, slogan, tagline is keep on turning. So... That's a metaphor, and obviously it means, yeah, I'm a wood turner, keep on turning. But the other message is never, ever give up. Never, ever give up. And there's uh, there's an ex-Navy SEAL called Mac, and he had a Discovery Channel documentary some years back, Future Weapons, and then uh, he developed brain cancer. And his saying is, and it's not mine, but I've used it a lot, is not dead, can't quit. Mm. And I think that's brilliant. It's very gung-ho and you can tell he was a Navy SEAL, not dead, can't quit. So there are the the military warrior connotations to that, which I also love because, you know, of being Viking ascent and being into the whole Viking and warrior thing. And uh, I like to think that I'm a, a modern-day warrior and that's obviously not, you know, uh, landing on the coast of a, a distant land and stealing all the treasure and trying to assimilate yourself into their culture. The warrior mentality that I like to live by is, you know, doing things that need to be done and getting them done as best as I can. It's like, yeah, I'll cook dinner. Yeah, I can run around with the hoover. I have ways and routines how to do everything. It's that warrior mentality. And again, people that are listening to this, that are going through tough times, and it's not even anything to do with disability. It can be about... Uh, you know, obviously people are worrying now about someone being unwell, you know, or, you know, they might be struggling to pay a bill or two or the mortgage and, you know, have that warrior mentality, you know, never, ever give up. Things will work out right in the end. You've got to put a lot of hard work in. It's not easy, but it's totally doable. And, you know, it's just and because I'm blind doesn't mean that I haven't got all the other worries and concerns that someone else has. Even though I'm blind, we've still got to pay the bills and mm. earn a living. And I've lost so much money through all my demonstrations in the past, what, two or three months being cancelled. But, hey-ho, get up in the morning, 
get a cup of tea. You know, we have a good chat in the morning, don't we? Yeah. Right where we are now. Yeah, in, in the, the nook. <laughs> we have a great chat. We plan the day. And I've been spending every minute in the workshop, practically, since lockdown happened. Uh, Practising, uh, you know, learning new techniques, filming video for YouTube, filming IGTV for Instagram, uploading Instagram posts, you know, two, three times a day. And to be perfectly honest, I'm loving it. <laughs> you know, my brain's going kaboom, kaboom, kaboom all the time with these great ideas. And, you know, the new techniques that I've thought, you know, like this medieval style that I've yeah. been practising so hard. The feedback's been incredible. People are loving it. And, you know, again, it's it, it comes from inspiration from some of the world's greatest wood turners that are great friends of ours. You know, but, yeah, life's hard for me, but it's like get up and... Be a bit of a prat, you know, be safe doing it, but still have a laugh and be a prat. Do you think that if if you go through some trauma like you have mm-hmm. and going blind is a lifelong thing, there there is this light at the end of the tunnel and do you think it's fair to say that ultimately you do come out of it yeah. and everybody will come out of whatever they've they're going through and things will start to look better mm. was that your experience yeah that's my experience uh and where i am now i can say that is totally what's happened there was light at the end of the tunnel uh, and i stuck with it and we persevered we both persevered and one of our hashtags on instagram is team fisher 2020 you know so the 2020 you know can mean 2020 vision so it's eyesight related and team fisher we are a team but yeah, thinking back, yeah, there was somewhere to head for, especially since I, I learned how to turn wood. We have focus, we have purpose, we have a direction, and all these are amazing things to try and aim for and achieve and, you know, aspire to be the best that we can be, both in your projects and my, my own. You know, I'm constantly striving to be the best that I can be. And maybe I'll never be as good as, you know, the likes of Nick Agar and Colwyn Way and Richard Findlay, you know, Master Woodturners and things like that. But I I want to be the best blind woodturner there is, you know. So I still have huge goals and, you know, you never, never really become a true master of anything. The fun is learning every day and making mistakes every day. And as long as the mistakes aren't dangerous and, you know, are associated with injury, you know, those mistakes are so important. But it's funny because there's a, there's a, me being into my heavy metal and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> you know, there's a, a line from a Metallica song. Uh, the light at the end of your tunnel was just a freight train coming your way. You know, mm. so... Uh, in a way that keeps me grounded as well because I am blind and I have bad days where, you know, I've walked into things, smashed half a dozen things, spilled half a dozen things and, you know, thrown stuff all over the place and I can't find things. And, you know, it's just, yeah, so that that lyric keeps me grounded. And when I do get complacent and get a bit ahead of, ahead of myself and, you know, uh, my my disability comes and raise its ugly head and says, whoa, Chris, what are you doing? You know, you can, you know, use your memory map for so much, but then your disability says, you need to slow down because, you know, that's the eighth time you've banged your head today. You know, just take a deep breath and think about what you're doing. So you said something about failure. Mm. Um, a lot of people find it really difficult to fail. Mm-hmm. And they feel like if they have a failure, Mm. they kind of need to stop doing what they're doing and change tack. Mm. What what do you say to people if they're struggling with failure and they've not found a way forward yet? Well, never give up, but also take time out. You know, there are times when, you know, you're woodturning and you're having a bad day, you know. You're just not making the cuts that you need and, you know, you're having what's called a catch every now and then and you just can't get this project off the ground. 
that's when I say to others as well, look, come out of the workshop, relax, regroup, I'll have a cup of tea, put some music on or, you know, one of my favourite films and reassess. It's great, you know, I I love to, you know, constantly be reinventing myself, but it's not that drastic, you know, that, oh, right, well, I've I've finished with that and I'm never going to do it again. It's great to keep reinventing yourself to stay current and fresh with new ideas, but don't reinvent yourself that much that you lose who you are, if you get what I'm saying. Mm. You know, and it's... Uh, yeah, if, if, if failure is going to happen, let it happen. It's not the end of you. And again, your life might, your life might take a different path. Uh, but, you know, failures happen to all of us. It's how you cope with them. And, it, you know, it's all about staying positive and staying with that warrior mentality. So you reinvented yourself as the blind wood turner. That wasn't necessarily um, something that you did deliberately. It's been more perhaps of an, as of an evolution. Yeah, it started off just purely as a hobby and just I wanted that vampire steak. I thought it'd be cool to get, you know, a nice piece of horror art. I had no idea it was going to become a brand and a business and... I suppose this happens to a lot of people, you know, uh, entrepreneurs and things like that. And the entrepreneurship, you know, is something we can touch on maybe a little bit later on with this product we've had just go on sale. But, uh, yeah, never, never, ever give up. I had no ideas what what is happening now was going to happen. I had no clue. So, really, you, you end up just taking a first step. Mm. And you don't know where that path is going to take you. But imagine if you'd sort of taken up wood turning and then a year later you thought, well, this isn't really going anywhere. I'm no further forward. I think I'll go and start doing something completely different. Mm. And you'd stopped it. Mm. You, You don't know how much there is to come. And I think that's what happens to quite a lot of people who have an idea or have a business, it's that persistence all the time because things take so long to evolve. And sometimes I think there's a right time for something to actually be launched on the world or just start mushrooming. Mm. Yeah, really. We've said we've said a few times, I think, haven't we, Nicola, that what has happened to us because of the wood turning has been an evolution sometimes we think you know wow that's just happened and it's clicked and fell into place we didn't really have to work at that Mm. you know it's all come about with me doing my youtube channel and inspiring and motivating people and then obviously get people saying wow that's really cool chris and we think you're uh, a really good wood turner could you make me one of those please you know whether or not it was a bowl or a, a pen or whatever uh it's really weird. It was an evolution, mm. wasn't it? It well, definitely no way was it a revolution because it's taken years to get where we were. And when I think back, you know, yeah, of course we've had meetings with people and we've driven thousands of miles all over the country, but none of it felt rushed. Yeah, and I think as well, a lot of the way we've done things, it's just we've allowed it to flow as mm. well. I think partly that was because a lot of the time I was working, so we had to just fit things around. But we just kind of allowed things to flow. We nudged them along in places and we talked to people and, you know, we've done stuff like social media and YouTube. Mm. But a lot of it has, it's just happened organically. And I do think that if you're meant to do something and, you know, we can maybe talk about purpose as well, but if you're meant to do something, it it will come and it will happen. Mm. And you can't just sit at home on your backside and not do anything. You've got to be doing some of the right activities. You've got to, you know, tell your story and put yourself out there. Mm. And as we say, put your head above the parapet. Well, this is it. It's easy, you know, it's easy to sit on your backside and be a keyboard warrior. 
you know, and criticise and troll people. And there's that famous quote that has the line, critics don't count in it. Uh, no, we've, we've put the work in. And, you know, you have to put the work in. You only get out what you put in. And in many cases, you know, uh, we've, we've luckily been in the right place at the right time as well. We've just been doing our thing and someone's come to us and said, you know, we really like what you're doing. You know, can we come round like the BBC mm. and... But you have to be doing your thing mm. for people to start to know about you. So I think there's sort of different elements. You've got to mm. invest yourself in doing what it is that you do and putting it out there. Yeah. And it's you're constantly building that foundation. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's a, a multifaceted sort of attack we've got. And I use the the word attack very, very loosely. It's not really an attack, but, you know, we we have our social media, we've done public speaking, we've been on the TV, been on the radio, been in, you know, uh, uh, two uh, magazines which focus on people living with disability. You can too, I'm living with disability. And I made the cover also of Wood Turning magazine. So, you know, we've we have got, lots of almost arenas where we are visible now so many it's hard to think of them all but i think i've got them all there Mm. you know social media tv uh publications etc so yeah we are this multifaceted uh entity Mm. but i still i still still you know insist that it's just happened organically well it has did you ever have um, any concept when you were little of what your purpose in life might be? No, it's just like any other kid. It was just, you know, having a good group of friends. Luckily, I grew up with great friends and we didn't get into trouble. And uh, We were just kids hanging out in front of our houses, kicking a ball around, riding our bikes. You know, it was in the... You know, I was a teenager in the 80s, so we had some great music to Mm -hmm. kick along with. And I had a great upbringing and, you know, a mum and dad that loved me me and my brother very much, you know. So I had no idea, you know, I just tried my best at school. And uh, what probably a lot of your listeners don't know is I also have a, you know, a knee condition and a joint condition. And I've had, you know, nine surgeries on my knees. So I was dealing with that as well. You know, I was in and out of hospital for years as a teenager. You know, uh, but no, I same as any other kid, you mm. know, what do I want to be? Or I want to be this and I want to be that. And you'd be changing your mind. But no, just clicking along. and. So yeah. what would you say your purpose is now? My purpose is to be the best blind wood turner in the world, be the best that I can be. And there are a couple out there. I'm not, mm. you know, unique. I'm unique in a couple of ways, like being the first, you know, ever accredited <coughs> RPT that's blind. And, you know, and the media attention that I've amassed, or should I say we've amassed, has been really, you know, uh, welcomed. And, you know, it's it's been a huge honour. I want to carry on inspiring and motivating people as you know as many as we can, and I'll, and also because I'm the patron of UK Men's Sheds, you know, and that's a charity that helps uh, men. You know, a lot of them are dealing with bereavement or mental health problems. You know, that's important to carry on with that charity and continue to be the patron as long as they'll have me, because mm-hmm. it's really important and it's just great therapy. It's you know I'm. I can testify to that, you know, getting in your workshop, it helps keep my mental health, you know, 99% of the time in tip-top condition. Same as everyone else, we have bad days, you know. We're not robots, are we? No. Uh, But, yeah, I want to carry on with the the, uh, social media and carry on uh, demonstrating and wood-turning and things like that. And, of course, I'd love to, you know, uh, be asked to demonstrate in America... You know, we've got lots of, well, in Europe as well, but we've got lots of great friends in America. 
uh, and that's the epicenter of wood turning so i'd love for us to be invited mm. over there and do you know uh, even if it's a short road trip with just a few demonstrations that'd be really cool so <coughs> excuse if, me if we go back to you saying about inspiring and motivating people mm-hmm. how have you done that and how do, fe- to, do people feel inspired and motivated how does that work well, the way I do it is by doing what I do, by being a wood turner. But as I'm doing it, and also public speaking, but we'll get more onto that. As I'm doing what I'm doing, I am, you know, trying to get the message across that, you know, we are capable of anything, and that's any of us. Uh, and we we can be who we want to be. And when your mum and dad said that to you when you were young, oh, you can be what you want to be. And, you know, you, you're so clever and we believe in you. You know, that's not that's not bullshit. It's real. But it's down to us. And I'm, I'm telling my story and people are thinking, wow, that's great, you know, and I've put off doing this for so long and you've got someone there that's blind doing this and, you know, it's dangerous and... <clears throat> his workmanship's you know really really good so it it makes people get off the backside and go and try something new and believe in themselves what difference does it make to people though well it can be life-changing for them you know there's many many stories i've heard and comments i've had and people get in touch that you know were at the lowest really they could have ever been you know possibly even thinking of doing some, you know, quite catastrophic things to ease the the pain that they were enduring. Uh, So I've had comments like that, people saying, you know, we've changed their life and made them realise in the scheme of things, they've got nothing wrong compared to me and myself. I'm always aware that compared to a lot of people, you know, I'm doing great. So it's it's, it's very heartwarming and humbling when people get in touch and say, Chris, you've made made such a huge difference you've inspired me and i'm gonna you know i've always wanted to take up wood turning but i was afraid and now i've got flipping out you can do it and you can't see so you know a couple of weeks later you get a message bought a lathe bought the tools and you know and they're off they're away and that's that's really nice to hear uh and it's great when people get in touch and say you know what you've really give us the uh kicking the pants we needed we're going to stop making excuses and do what we want to do when we want to do it. Of course, I want everybody to be safe as possible when they're doing these things. Hmm. But just because something's uh, a bit edgy doesn't mean you should ever, you know, never try it. What's the worst thing about being blind? There's there's lots of things. Uh, Now... I don't want to be controversial here, but I'm going to say it. <clears throat> uh, there are obviously lots and lots of, dis, you know, different disabilities and things. And of course, you know, every disability has its own trials and tribulations, you know, that are indicative to that disability. But if I'd have, you know, been in a wheelchair or lost a limb, something like that, You know, I could still have an adapted vehicle and drive a car and, you know, I'd still be able to see, you know, my family and friends and see a flower in the garden. Just pick up a book and read it on the toilet, he says, which I miss, really. (laughs) It's one of the things I miss the most about being blind, being able to read on the toilet, try and get a bit of peace and quiet. (laughs) Uh, Because I've tried audio books on the toilet and it just isn't the same. (laughs) Chapter one. Everyone can hear it. What's the point? So, uh, yeah, other disabilities are really, of course, shocking in their own right. But if you go blind, you are in a world of mess, mm. you know, especially in the early days. The hardest thing has been the anxiety. I was very close, very, very close to thinking about ending, ending my life. I felt that ill. And it was just, and it's not just, it, it's physical gut-wrenching sickness, you know. The hallucinations I found were really interesting and I liked them, and I haven't had one for quite a while. Uh, 
but the whole being sick and the panic attacks and muscle spasms and hot sweats and, you know, that impending fear of, you know, dread. It was just shocking. Absolutely shocking. But I kept on going because, you know, I had, you know, Charlie and family and friends and, you know, I dug so deep then. But I understand why people take their life, you know, in situations like that. I completely, completely understand it because I was getting near that point. Uh, but, yeah, here I am. So glad I didn't. What would you say to people if they suffer with anxiety? Are there any um, tools, techniques, ways of dealing with it that you you started using? Well, for me, uh, there were a few... Th- well, a couple of things, really. The two main things, I should say. I got in touch with the RNIB uh, bereavement counsellor and they gave me a counsellor called Marius and I had 12 sessions of bereavement counselling which helped immensely. And we were discussing, you know, all aspects of my life and, you know, how it was affecting me, the anxiety and, you know, bad days and he was there to just really guide me through the process of coming to terms with being blind and explaining that you you go out of the house with your, your support worker and you know you you're worried about this is going to happen and that's going to happen but really nothing's going to happen to you you're perfectly safe you know you you're being looked after all the time by you know a caring support worker so gradually be, you begin to let your guard down and relax a bit you know I used to do breathing techniques as well and you you talk you know about coping mechanisms and you know relaxing listening to some nice music and doing things that really help you feel happy and uh and also uh, I was put on medication by the doctor mm-hmm. which really helped now I know a lot of people probably think well you know once you get on those sort of meds you know there's no going back but they did really really help for me help me and you know, I, I still take my anti-anxiety meds because I still suffer with anxiety. But compared to how it was, it's nothing. And what I get now is if, I, if I'm if i going to a new place that I don't know uh, and I'm beginning to think, you know, what if I need the toilet quickly and I don't know where it is and they're the sort of things that worry me personally. Uh, you know, all I get now is just maybe a bit of a dry throat. It feels like I've got a bit of a lump in my throat. Compared to, you know, uh, 2010, 2011, where I'd actually be physically sick and have to lie down the whole day or two days, you know, uh, yeah, I can deal with what, what I've got now. In fact, it's, it's pretty much inconsequential now. Are there any good points about being blind? Yeah, you know we have a we have <laughs> we have a huge laugh, don't we? There's lots of comedy moments when yeah. you're blind, and you know uh, one case in point is you know a few weeks ago we were doing some video for Instagram, and a lot of it you were stood in front of me, weren't you? <laughs> and then you'd moved, and for some reason, because I was concentrating on what I was going to say, you'd moved and sat down beside me. So I did my next piece to camera thinking you were in front and you went, no, Chris, I'm over here. (laughs) And that's on Instagram, so you can see that. So there's lots of comedy moments. Good things about being blind is, yeah, there's lots of good comedy value. You get to meet some amazing people. uh, And it, it, for me, has made me dig really deep and become, you know, uh, yeah, I've said it before, who I was meant to be. You know, and my life... And my days are filled with wonder and challenges, you know, and I I love problem solving. So to be faced, not just in the workshop, but in daily life, you know, if you're faced with a problem, how do I overcome this? And there's some great technology and apps out there as well that help me. So, you know, I love... I love having access to the technology that's available for the blind and visually impaired community. That's really, really great. And, you know, it's, again, it's hard work and mentally tiring and demanding just to send an email or a text. 
But again, it's a challenge. And once you've got it done, once you've got it done and it's away, it's like I love doing Instagram now. I never used to see the point of all of that, but I'm completely hooked on it. Yeah, yeah, and it's your fault, Nicola. <laughs> I've unleashed a monster. <laughs> yeah, I've always got my phone in my hand now, checking my Instagram uh, activity and posts and what comments I've got and mm. anyone being in touch. And it's it's addictive. It is Instagram. It Well, it just goes to show, though, doesn't it, that anything is possible. Because mm. I come across people who say, oh, I don't know how to do Instagram. But... You know, if a blind guy can use it, and mm. I know there'll be other blind people who use it as well, mm. but, you know, you, you're taking photographs, you're making videos. IGTV. You don't, yeah, IGTV. I've done some lives on it. Yeah. Mm. Um, it it just shows, really. It is daunting. Is it is daunting, but again, this is testament to the fact that ask for help. I mm. said to you, how do I use Instagram? And you told me the basics, to, you know, at least to be able to photograph mm something and put a brief description and then you know a few days later i might say oh no i'm struggling with that and say right well you just do this or you do that and then i'll say right well you know what's this igtv stuff all about and you'll say all right well do you want it yeah well show me how to do it you know and then with lots and lots of practice same as anything you know you start getting i'm I'm no way you know up to the proficiency that you are with social media but I'm doing all right and I can keep people up to date with what I'm doing and where I am, you know, along with YouTube and things. But it's so easy for me to take a photograph or film a bit of video, bit of a description, upload it, bang, there it is. I mean, you're doing really well with it, you know, it's your account's going really well mm. and you're posting regularly, which is brilliant. So you said that who being a blind woodturner is who you are meant to be. Why why do you say that? What what is it about this that feels like this is who you're meant to be? Because I just, I'm just enjoying it so much. I'm enjoying the whole community, the the journey. You know the places we've been, the places we're yet to go. Uh, I'm just loving every part of it. It's, I feel at ease and comfortable and happy. Pretty amazing, really. Mm. And, you know, I've always loved making things and now I get to do that as my job. You know, and things take me a lot longer than a sighted craftsman. They're going to, but it's all about never giving up and something that would take a sighted craftsman an hour to do. I I like to rule on, you know, three times longer for myself. So if something mm. took a a sighted master wood turner a day. I'm looking at possibly three days in it. Or I'll divide it into three parts, like the cake stand I'm making at the minute for you. Yeah. I could have done that from start to finish in a few days, but we've done it over the course of three YouTube videos. Uh, you know, and that's, that's at least, you know, we're trying to be, you know, uh, savvy about it and get people coming back the next week to see, <laughs> you know... The, the next part of the project but yeah I just love what I'm doing and the fact that I've had a couple of disabled students because you know <clears throat> I'm, I'm skilled and competent enough now to teach and now that I've got the accreditation it's like validation and people go well he's not just a fly-by-night sort of joker that's you know scratching around on a bit of wood you know Chris has received the adulation of you know the recognised professional body in the country so yeah love it love it it's definitely who i was meant to be uh, and i'm gonna be a wood turner forever i want to ask you some deep questions okay when you first went blind mm -hmm. did it ever cross your mind that this might be leading you down a completely different path no, you, you, you can't even begin to consider stuff like that. I mean, when you first go blind, uh, and I, I, I will make a, uh, some apologies right now that because you've asked me to sort of like just not put my podcast voice on and be all, all natural, I might go a bit Salford and Eccles. Uh, 
so excuse me. <laughs> uh, no, how could I? It's it's such a traumatic thing, and your life is thrown into disarray. There's no way that you're contemplating what's going to go on in the future. You're thinking, you know, flipping heck, how do I, how do I cross the road and. You know, I want to make a cup of tea and I don't want to burn myself. And all of just the natural stuff that people take for granted, that's what you're thinking about all the time. And, you, and you, you've got, you know, social workers and things like that that are coming around. And you're doing your rehabilitation. It's a really busy time. And that's why I wasn't ill for that first year. You know, and if I had any sort of like ideas of what the future might have held once the anxiety hit, you know, they'd have all been just thrown out the window straight away because I was too ill to consider anything about apart from just getting it through the day without being sick and feeling sick and panicking. So what kept you going? What, in the in the early days? Yeah. Well, it was... It, there was a lot to do and it was interesting. You know, in the early days, the, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't feeling sad or over-emotional about any of it. There was a lot going on. Like I say, the rehabilitation, the sensory teams, as they are called, are coming round and you, you're being taught the basics of, you know, how to function at home mainly. Uh, so, yeah, it's just really busy time, really busy. But... It wasn't. It wasn't nerve wracking, and because I'm a practical sort of person and pragmatic, all these the classes you have, and uh, you know, we spent hours and hours preparing meals in the kitchen, you know, peeling potatoes and chopping carrots safely, and you know, uh, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, when I think when I think back, I wasn't emotional or perturbed about any of that first year. Mm. There was a lot going on, and I did find it interesting. Uh, it was only later on that things started getting, uh, you know, out of control as far as my mental state went. But at what point did you think that there might be, metaphorically speaking, light at the end of the tunnel? Well, you'd have to go forward from the initial sort of like confirmation of the diagnosis and the, you know the the quite damning prognosis for you know uh your vision i mean in my case it was like you've got nothing and there's nothing we can do until i, I you know metaphorically the light at the end of the, the tunnel it's gosh probably four or five years after going blind you know that it, it was when i discovered wood turning uh and I was able to get out with my support worker, Dean, and function without feeling ill. That's when you start, if I can use the expression, chomping at the bit. Mm. That's when, you know, you, you really want to go. And there was, I don't know if we, I invented the phrase, but, you know, the post-traumatic awakening that we've mentioned before. Yeah. That's, you know, it was four or five years when I had my post-traumatic awakening and I thought, right, that's it. I'm really excited now to, you know, get a wood lathe and teach myself how to turn, wood, wood on a lathe. So, yeah, four or five years, that's... I can't pin it down to exact dates and times, but it was it was four or five years. Did it surprise you that it took that long? Thinking about it, no, I'm not surprised. But also, when, when I was feeling unwell... You think that this is never going to end. This is going to be a life forever. Just feeling so sick to your stomach and the hallucinations and uh, panic attacks and muscle spasms and hot sweats and not sleeping and just, you know, gut-wrenching fear about, you know, going out and well, it was horrible. And the times when I did manage to go out and then I'd have a full-blown panic attack and Dean would have to bring me home. You think that's never going to end, and you you know you you're wishing for uh, some respite from it all, but slowly but surely it comes. So what you're doing now when you're doing the wood turning, and you're on YouTube, 
there's a lot of people know of you. And looking back to where you've come, mm. and we've talked about this, but would you still say that going blind was a pivotal moment for you mm. in terms of where it's brought you now? Yeah, it was it was life changing. So heck yeah, it was pivotal, but for so many different reasons now when you think about it. Mm. It was life changing because you're gonna permanently depend on others at some level for different things throughout your day. You know, you can't just jump in the car. So pivotal in the way that your life has changed exponentially forever. Mm. But also pivotal in the way that I am now, you know, the only uh, accredited blind wood turner in the country and, you know, I've had support and sponsorship from some huge companies around the world and where my life is now is is absolutely amazing. You know, where, in fact, where we both are now, where we, you know, where we've got and where we're going to is, it is remarkable so yeah it was pivotal uh, and and continues to be so on a daily basis you know we're, we're getting a message from someone or you know or a, a remark or a comment or being asked to be featured in a magazine like the living with disability so going blind was pivotal for good and bad reasons mm. so um what were the good reasons then well I suppose you really get to know uh, how amazing you can be. And I think I, I was always, again, pragmatic and practical and, you know, quite, quite intelligent. But you seem to coast through life. And even though you put the hours in at work and you're working hard and earning good money and things like that, it is that work-sleep, work-sleep routine. But... After, after going blind, you, you, it's amazing how your brain then... Well, in my case, my brain's really come alive. Which is funny because a big part of your brain becomes inactive once you go blind. Because everything we do relies on our sight in some part. So it's funny that, yeah, a big part of my brain became inactive. And that's why you have hallucinations. It's your brain trying to play catch up and stuff. But then whatever other part of your brain goes, right, wow, this, this, is, this is great. And you start to, for my case, mentally, internally, see things much clearer. And of course, you hear things much more clearly. And I, I smell everything. And you know what it's like living with me, how in tune I am and, you know, how receptive I am to the energy and the vibe in a place and it's not like oh you get a feeling for something I'm getting tangible feedback that I can act on by feelings and smells mm. and touches and things like that so yeah I think I think I'm sharper I'm cleverer uh, I'm certainly braver you know a lot a lot more tenacious mm. uh, since going blind but also there's a lot of the old chris which was cheeky and chirpy and pragmatic and you know i love the motorcycling and aviation and things like that i've you know a lot of that old chris has come back now with gusto as mm -hmm. well mm -hmm. yeah i think oh i'm a much better person for it i know i am so you said in the past that being blind is who you're meant to be mm. So I think a lot of people find that quite a challenge to understand. Mm. Um, what, what does that really mean to you? I've, I've come into my own now. You know, I think I've, I've always, you know, uh, like talking and expressing myself and being as intellectual as I can. And, you know, I know I haven't uh, gone as heavy on the academic route as you did. I was much more hands-on and practical, but... I am uh, able to do so much now. Uh, 
Yeah, I forgot the question. <laughs> You've said that you don't want your eyesight back. Oh. Why do you say that? Weird, eh? <laughs> Some people think so. It's again. It's I'm. It's, I'm. I'm so comfortable with who I am now and where I am and what I, what I'm able to do and. It was a long road to hold to get here with, you know, all the... I feel like, you know, I'm after a pity party, but it's been a huge part of the journey that I, I need to keep saying it, really. You know, after all that anxiety and feeling unwell, I don't want to go through that again. And, you know, I, I'm scared of the, the readjustment of, you know... I know that I can't, actually, because my... my condition is incurable with current technology and stuff anyway so it's it's a bit of a weird statement but uh yeah to go back and go through all that again but in reverse i couldn't be doing with it uh you know i am i'm i'm setting a routine now and a way of life and yeah it's just i don't, I don't know it's hard to put into words a lot of people because they're sighted and you know, I was talking to someone when I took Bamber out the other day and we were talking about you and he said his wife was scared of going blind. I think a lot of people, that's one of their biggest fears. It is scary. It is very scary. And I've said, you know, there are periods when you're blind, even, even now, you will feel lonely and scared and anxious and depressed and things like that. But it's all about damage limitation. And when you when you realize you know the feelings that are building up inside you you can deal with them and it can be something as simple as yeah put on a bit of music and have a cup of tea or just talk to someone you know seek some advice uh but you know you certainly become aware of the danger signs but it's yeah it is scary so i thought we could talk about um how a blind man buys his wife birthday presents because <laughs> I know it's a bit jokey but um, it's one of those things where you have to do it differently it's one of those mm. things that you've got to find a different way of doing it well if we weren't in the lockdown what we'd be doing for the, as far as the birthday card goes you would take me to the the card section in the shop and you'd say right well put your arm out press and feel them them in that section there <laughs> you know, uh, birthday cards for the wife. So uh, some of them have, you know, a tactile element to them and they can be embossed or, you know, raised or something, you know, quite artistic and decorative about them. So, you know, I'll have a feel. Uh, you've even read some verses out and say, <laughs> right, well, I like the verses in those three and then you disappear and then I have to go and find the checkout with Bamber and say, right, well... Uh, I've I've picked this card, so I don't want my wife to see ultimately the one I've chosen <laughs> out of the three you suggested. So it's you know it's in a paper bag and slipped under the desk or the you know near where the till is, and then uh, she'll say you pay for it, and I say oh no, Nicola will pay for it when she comes back. <laughs> it's hilarious, really. Yeah, I get to choose the birthday card or the Christmas card. I could don't get me wrong, I can pay for it myself, and you know I can. <laughs> oh no, I've usually got other things. Haven't I? Yeah, we so just, rather than just how we do it. Yeah, you know Nicola's <laughs> out. You know, especially for in the garden centre, you know you're out buying you know a few plants and this that and the other, and I say well Nicola might as well pay for everything in one go. Just, don't let her see what's in that bag. <laughs> uh, so we do that. And, you know, for those, I'm sure, you know, most of your listeners know you love your journals and your station. Your, your birthday is coming up, 1st of May. <laughs> so uh, you love your stationery. You've got your, you know, this line of stationery. What's it called? Stationery Island. Yeah, you've got this line of stationery that, you know, you really love. So it's, and it's not a cop-out, it's, it's, it's living with someone that's blind. You know, you pick what you like uh, and it's been delivered, but I've wrapped it up. Yeah, and what it, have you wrapped it up in? Uh, Greaseproof paper and string. <laughs> I've gone for something <laughs> rustic. So, uh, but I found a load of these adhesive stick-on flowers 
So I've decorated it with lots of pretty flowers for you. I've yet to write your card, but I'll be using my handwriting template to write the card. So yeah. it's not going to look like a spider with a load of birals on its legs. I've just run over the page. You know, I do things random, but with purpose. And we, we got the card from um, a pop-up, a local pop-up shop. Mm. She'd posted some pictures of birthday cards on Facebook mm. and I'd seen this one. So I put a message on saying, Chris will ring you about about it, but this is the one. <laughs> yeah, and she 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 knew I'm um, well, she knows I'm blind. Yeah. So she she <laughs> drove five minutes down the road and popped it through the letterbox for us, which yeah. was really cool. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's weird having to buy things for your partner when you're blind. Uh, but again, we turn it into some fun. I quite like it. I, I mean, we did one Christmas. I had um, an Amazon wish list, didn't I? Mm. And I put on that wish list things that I liked and, I and then picked. you chose. So yeah, yeah. I didn't know what I was going to get. I knew it would be off that list, but mm. I didn't know what I was going to get. We find a way. Yeah. And we turn it into fun. And, you know, it's not like we're six years old anymore and it's a great, you know, surprise. I know Nicola loves stationery. Nicola knows, you know, the colours and designs and things like that. How can I pick anything like that? I'd either have to get help from a third party and keep it secret, which is doable, but not at the moment, because, you know, everyone's, you know, keeping away from each other, all the, the, the you know, the self-distancing, things like that, self-distancing. But, uh, yeah, we found a way. Mm. And... um. The other thing I think we should talk about is you've never seen me. No. So we met um, May the 11th, 2015, and you were already blind at that point. So you'd been blind, what, seven years then? Mm, yeah. Um, and so you've never seen me at all. What's that like for you to be married to someone that you've not actually seen? <laughs> yeah, it's the norm for me, and... <laughs> You know, I, I do know what you look like because I've got a picture in my mind and obviously I've felt your face and everything and people have described you to me. So I've got a great a great mental image of what you look like and I'm sure it's pretty bang on, you know. Uh, the, there are some great blind portrait painters out there, you know, that you know will touch the face of the, the subject and then do an amazing portrait with having no sight so yeah i've got a pretty good grasp but yeah i've never seen never seen you it's <laughs> but again that's just the norm yeah it's just how it is mm. so let's talk about bamba mm. you might have heard a few noises in the background where bamba's been repositioning himself or having a bit of a shake mm -hmm. um he's molting quite a bit at the minute so We've got uh, big blobs of fur on the carpet that we keep hoovering up every day. And um, Chris has been putting some of Bamba's fur outside in one of the bird feeder Yeah, he's been brushed nests. regularly, hasn't he? Um, so. Not a nest, what do you call it? It's like a... a it was... A, it's a cage. Yeah, a cage, that's what I mean. Um, that you put these square slabs of um, fat... And seeds mm. stuff in. Yeah. So that's full of um, fur and the birds are using it for nesting. So what, what difference has it made having Bamba? Well, I'll explain who Bamba is first. Oh, yeah, yeah, you better say who Bamba is. Yeah, Bamba <laughs> is my four-year-old full German Shepherd guide dog uh, who came to us. In the autumn of 2017, I'd been on the waiting list for about 10 months. Yeah. Uh, and then they said, oh, we might have a potential pairing for you, Chris. And uh, they bring the, the, the dog round and see if you hit it off. Uh, and then I had to have sort of like a little assessment with Bamba. I'd already had other assessments, but you go for a quick walk. And I was holding a harness, but they have... Uh, a harness on as well so it's not like they're letting me uh loose with a guide dog without any training so yeah we hit it off so we were both taken off the waiting list uh and 
he then, it was sort of like mid-October 2017, he was brought to me for 10 days to bond with him before we went away and did our training, which was also 10 days, but that's residential, so you go away for 10 days. Uh, so we bonded, I played with him, fussed over him, obviously fed him and took him out into the garden for his ablutions. Uh, and you're not allowed to take them out because you know you're not qualified you're not trained to do that bamba pretty much knew everything it's just that i had to learn it and that's what when you're away for your 10-day residential you're having uh classes every day you're out with your instructor you know using local public transport going into shopping centers uh you know navigating along pavements pedestrian crossings elevators stairs the whole shebang uh, and you're being assessed all the time you're having classes on uh, hygiene and dietary requirements and grooming and your guide dog stays in your hotel room with you and you so you you know you're doing everything with your dog you're not allowed any visitors and it's pretty intense there's a lot to learn so that lasts for 10 days and then you come home and then you do your local training. So your instructor uh, accompanies you on your local routes, you know, going to the doctors, the local shops, you know, the pharmacy, etc. going on the local bus. And then you do your qualification walk, which is like your driving test for guide dogs uh, and their new owners. And then if you pass that, you pay 50 pence. <laughs> To buy your guide dog, which is a tradition, and then you're allowed to keep your harness and use him and and work him. Uh, so that happened winter of twenty seventeen. Uh, is absolutely amazing, and you know it's made such a huge difference. Obviously, you can get out and about when you're blind when you have your long cane or single cane, but to have you know this amazing animal out with you, you know, getting you somewhere safe, keeping you company, looking out for obstacles. I'm I'm the navigator, Bamba's the pilot. You have to know, as a person, where you're going. Uh, but as I'm, as I'm going and I'm saying, right, we need to go left here, or right, if we're going along that pavement then and Bamba sees a wheelie bin or a car parked on the pavement, you know, he'll stop. And he'll, you know, he'll be letting me know there's an obstacle there, and then we can work about the safest way around the obstacle. And you know, pedestrian crossings. If I ask him to find the button outside, he'll find a pedestrian crossing. If I ask him to find a button inside a building, he'll take me to the lift, and he'll, you know, find some stairs, and he'll put his paws on the bottom stair, you know, until we're ready and we're comfortable, and then we can proceed up. Just absolutely amazing. So clever. I mean. It's always good to have, you know, a, uh, a nice pet in your life, but to have an animal that is, you know, operating at a completely different level. And he's very cheeky. <laughs> he, he is very cheeky when he's not working, he's very cheeky. Uh, he's a scavenger. He'll eat anything and everything if it's in his line of sight. Uh, but again, guide dogs aren't robots. The dogs, they're just highly trained dogs. And as soon as you put this harness on, the difference, it's like, boom, he's in work mode. Take that harness off, he's boom into... <laughs> play mode. Play mode, yeah. And, yeah uh, being a bit of a chancer. But, yeah, love him. Love him so much. What do you want to have happen in your life? What sort of plans do you have in your head? <coughs> well, I want to become financially... Uh, comfortable you know again same rules apply as with able-bodied people got bills to pay want a comfortable way of life i want to you know travel to you know america and different parts of the world demonstrating want to do more public speaking uh, and obviously we've just been accepted by a public speaking agency but then you know the whole world shut down so obviously we've not had any bookings but Hopefully that will uh, start up when everything's back to normal. There's no such thing as normal, is there? Uh, and carry on advancing my skills, getting more proficient, doing 
you know, more beautiful projects that astound and inspire people. But uh, I suppose it's most of it's got wood turning. <laughs> involved. You do surprise me. <laughs> involved. Wood turning, drinking tea, listening to horror films, uh, and you know, enjoying my music as mm. I do. But uh, no, uh, yeah, keep evolving and getting bigger and better. You've mentioned a few times about um, films, television, watching stuff. Mm. Um, just describe to people how you watch, in inverted commas, a film. Well, yeah, I listen. Yeah. So, luckily, again, with all the technology that's ac- accessible and available, uh, we've got a Fire TV with he sh- who shall not be named. Yeah, don't say it. Yeah, because we've got one right next to us. Begins with the A. Uh, and, yeah, I can ask, speak into the remote control and they'll find me TVs, uh, TV programmes, films, music, news... Uh, and it's all uh, read out to me and described. You'll get the program synopsis. Uh, a lot of the programs have audio description, which is which is great. So, yeah, in the in the days gone by, I would if I wanted to listen to a film and you were going out for a meeting or work, I'd ask you to find that before you went, mm. and then that, that'd be cool. But now I can just do it all myself. And you know, again with the echo dots and. Uh, my phone, you know, as as all the accessibility maxed out for the blind and visually impaired, I'm able to listen to whatever I want, YouTube, uh, search for stuff on the internet, emails, texting, uh, and obviously, it's it's all for me mental imagery. So if it's a film that I had seen before I went blind, yeah, I've got a memory map and I've got a really good memory. So I can remember, you know, the the tiny detail of a favourite film. Uh, so as the film's playing out on the TV, I'm getting the, the real mental imagery from what I can remember of the film. If it's something that's been released since I went blind, it's like reading a book, you know. Uh, y- your mind makes all these uh, pictures and images and scenarios and what the characters look like. So that's what happens to me, you know when I'm listening to a, a documentary or a film. It's a bit like the radio. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, the mental imagery is strong. Hmm. Mm. So it's still very enjoyable. I still get a lot of pleasure. But we're quite selective as to what we listen to. Hmm. I mean, uh, we love documentaries and some stuff on YouTube. and uh, We love factual, intellectual programming, don't we? Something... You know, that will expand our knowledge and understanding of the world and the universe around us. We both love that sort of stuff, you know, and stuff, you know, about things that go bump in the night. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you know, possibly life on other planets. Well, I'm saying possibly. I know. I know there's life on other planets. Uh, but. Yeah, love it. Get a lot of pleasure out of TV still. What, this is my last question, what would you um, say to people who um, are maybe going through challenges, and there are a lot of people at the moment who, who are going through different challenges, what would be your message to them in terms of getting through it and coming out the other side? Uh, please don't give up. Don't give up on yourself and don't give up on your families around you. You know, you've got this, you can do this. Uh, when you when you come out the other side, life will be different, but in many ways better. It will strengthen you, it will help define who you are and who you're going to continue to be. Uh, and please never ever give up, there's no need for you to give up. Uh, and just dig deep, dig deep, you really can do it. And you'll amaze yourself at what you're capable of. Uh, and do it, you know, as often as you can with a smile on your face and find time to be silly every day. And of course, I don't mean go and, you know, play chicken on the motorway. Not that kind of silly. You know, I shouldn't have to say that. But when I say, oh, act silly every day, 
<clears throat> that thought is always at the back of my mind, you know, should I have said that? But when I say be silly, you know, have a laugh and a joke. And if you've got young kids, you know, get in the garden and mess around and, you know, have fun with them and have a water fight, whatever. Find time to be silly every day. Uh, and it's a good thing, really, to act your shoe size, not your age. Lovely. Well, Christopher Fisher, RPT, thank you so much for being on the podcast this week. Uh, Nicola Fisher, BA, thank you so very much for having me. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast as much as I did. You can find me online at Seed to Source. And if you'd like to share your story of personal change, do get in touch. Thanks for listening and I hope you have a wonderful week.